This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We're continuing our journey through the book, The Great Dechurching. We started yesterday talking about the misgenerational handoff. And is this concept, this biblical concept, that one generation is to be faithful in diligently teaching the next generation the the Word of God, really is what it amounts to. Who God is and what God has done and how God has revealed himself in his Word. And I would just like to encourage, especially those that have... Um, kids still at home that um that you take this seriously as a responsibility it's not too late at any age yes yeah and if your grandparents and and maybe you you look back and you say i didn't quite do this as well as i should then your role might be become the cheerleader for your children Mm -hmm. to to maybe do what what you maybe let slip through the your fingers a little bit and going back to the it's not too late and even a couple episodes ago of being open to admit error your your kids you know as you being might try to talk to them being, being mere transparent yeah. say yeah. hey we as parents made a mistake we're gonna correct here and make this an emphasis in our family and uh, be upfront and open with your kids let them know what's going on and why and the idea is that we t- that we actively are teaching you can do it however you want to in your home. Um, there's not a, a prescription that is one size fits all, but I would just say that you want to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. So I can just share what we've done in our home, whether it's good, bad, or other. It, it is just what we've decided worked for us. And what that meant was what we always ate supper together, and we always read God's word at the end of, of the meals that we shared together. And then at the end of the day, we always ended the day together reading God's word and praying um, before the youngest went to bed. So it wasn't, it wasn't at the end of everybody's day. It was the end of the day for the youngest child of our home. And, and that way, every day, there were a couple moments where we read God's word together, prayed together, and hopefully it, it encouraged spiritual conversations. And, and, and your day might not be as regulated That's where right. you can, you know, you may be in a home where you're like ships that pass in the night where people have different schedules. But at some time during that day, you can be, you can ask leading questions like, what are you thankful for today? Yeah. Um, you know, what, it, what, it, what are you dealing with today? And you can get, you can engage that conversation that Deuteronomy talks about where we teach these things diligently, you know, when we're walking along the way, when we're rising and when you're sitting down, wherever you're at. You know, this is part of the conversation of the day. You don't let it pass. And even little things like on a beautiful day, making some comment about the beautiful day that God gave us, you know, bringing him into the conversation right. or or just randomly, you know, talking to your kids about how thankful you are that God gave them to you, you know, mm-hmm. and that God made them 
made Lord. you their parent and just establishing that connection and how of God God's made them. sovereignty. Yeah. <laughs> and how God made so. them and the personalities. You 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 bring you bring your conversation in some way back to back to God, our creator and and our redeemer. Yeah. And and the, the whole idea is that our faith is 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 natural and germane to all of the moments of our life and our kids should see it that way. Right. That they shouldn't feel like it's some sort of tack on. It's not some add on that's unnatural to the life that we're living. And that's the point of Deuteronomy 6, that it's just intertwined in life. And they should feel that growing up in your home, that Mm -hmm. faith is absolutely essential to how you live. And it comes naturally out of conversations and interactions that you have throughout your day. And if you're waiting for your kids to initiate, um, it's probably not going to happen very often. No, yeah. I think that's the idea of the misgenerational uh, handoff, and I think that this is an area in which we as pastors can be also tender with people mm-hmm. too, because I think that uh, you know we've pastored for a long time. We know of a certain parents' grief mm-hmm. where their children have, have de-churched, yep. and uh, you know that's why we say it's not too late. It's not too late to speak into the lives of our children it's not too late to do those things and to bring that influence but i th- and i think that we do need to be tender but we also need to be clear um too that there is a generational problem where we are not passing our faith on we may have you know multiple kids growing up and we have that one prodigal you know it doesn't mean that we did something wrong mm-hmm. it it just means it just is pointing to the fact that this is a child that needs the Lord. And I'll add to what I said earlier. That was kind of directed to parents with still kids in the home. It's not too late. But I think also you can consider if, if you're a grandparent, it's still not too late. You know, if you look at your life, if this series has caused you to kind of look back on when your kids were growing up and and if if you see areas where, okay, I I see now where I've kind of led to my children kind of not taking church seriously, you know, the application there still is, you know, again, in humility, just be open and honest with your adult children and seek to talk with them about it and acknowledge that and, you know, see where it goes. There are habits of behavior that you have to, that you should start early in, in your family's Mm -hmm. life. You know, the question of, uh, you know, we've mentioned it before. And the, there's one question that shouldn't be asked. You know, are we going to church next Sunday? Are yeah. we going to church tomorrow? That should already be something that was mm-hmm. was predetermined for your for your family. And I think that uh, you know one of the things that we talk about the stage at life where uh, children oftentimes uh, drop out of church. You know, you talked about between 18 and 25. This is the college years. These are the the early years of their their life. They they oftentimes de church. Part of that is because they have because church it was optional in your family, but also um, now they have added freedoms. And uh, you know, I went to a, a Christian college in that, but there were quite a few. You know, I would get up on Sunday morning, go to 
church, but there are quite a few kids there. You can ask them where they attended that day because we all spread out. They were at Bedside Baptist or the Church <laughs> of the Inner Spring, you know, getting a few more Zs. You know, they just didn't go. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a Christian college, and, and there'd be probably maybe half of the campus that would go to church, half that wouldn't. But there would be always this segment that didn't go to church, but then would get up, get dressed in church clothes, and then go over to the cafeteria to eat the lunch uh, to give yeah. the impression that yeah. they had oh, yeah. been they had at been church. church instead of just going in their pajamas. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, all of this to say that sometimes we look at, at it generationally and we'll say, well, my parents didn't do that. My parents didn't actively talk about their faith. My parents didn't really do much in the home and it all worked out for them. And then we, we just say, okay, then I can just do that same thing in my own house. Mm-hmm. And we were talking off the air. There's, there's, what I would call a generational lapse in in experiencing the consequences to actions. Mm. So something that might might quote unquote work for one generation, you're not going to see the consequences of that behavior until it plays out in the next generation and in the next generation. And I think that's actually where Psalm seventy eight is so helpful. Mm-hmm. You kind of will will make it. But it's going to shipwreck the next generation, right? And it's really hard to, without immediate consequence, it, it can be difficult to 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 recognize the danger that we're in. And so, you can't just assume that because it worked for your parents, that it's going to work for you or for your grandkids. The world that we live in is not the same as what it was when our grandparents and our parents were were raising their kids, yeah. right? I think that there's some generational aspects that we can look at. You know, they've they've done some survey and sociological uh, study of these. You know, the silent generation, the boomer generation, the Gen X, and the millennials, and that. One of the things that I noticed, though, when they were showing that, is not only were there are there generational differences, but there's generational differences in the way we do church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you know, when we're talking about the de-churched and the and the great drop off, I see a huge generational difference between the way I grew up and the way my children's generation have grown up. One of the handoffs takes place in church. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a separate worship service for children till they get up into high school. You know, they're not in church, actually. They're not engaged in a multi-generational worship service. You've got children's church, you got youth church, you got high school church, and they all go to a different or, thing. Or they have their Sunday school program and their youth programs during the worship service. Exactly. So the parents go to church, and then as an 18-year-old, you might not ever have sat in a worship service. And they and yeah. they go, and then they get out, and they go, church is boring. Well, that's because they didn't do all the play things and all the games and everything. Uh, you you know, I've got two-year-olds and you know, four-year-olds that sit silently through a church service and who engage with the church service uh-huh. in the whole process. You know, you mention something and they turn to their parent. They say, and they're and they're communicating what they know. They they're actually getting so much as a small child mm-hmm. from from that service. So. In this end of this book, uh, chapter, we'll just have some concluding observations, and so I'm just going to read a couple of them. The first is they need that this age group needs parents who are safe spaces where they can process hard questions. And in just working with my own children, they're they're wrestling with a lot of things. Yeah, 
and the tendency is to jump in too too fast, too hard, and squash the 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 dialogue. And really, I think what I'm learning over time is just to allow the conversation to unfold, to let them process. That doesn't mean that you're not speaking truth into their life. Right. You kind of guide the process. But you're slowing down. Yeah. Well, with with the with this misgenerational handoff, you know, the you know, one of the things that, um, you know, as they conclude this chapter that we were reading, you know, we've often left our children to explore things alone. Mm -hmm. They're doing it alone. You know, they you know, they go off to college. It's all alone. They you know, everything that they're experiencing, they're doing alone and they're developing an ethic alone and they need and and you know this is a they need parents they need parents that they can go and 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 talk with and who will communicate those things and don't just say because i told you so yeah. and they and they and then they also need pastors that will help them process they need to be they they need to know that their their pastor is there to shepherd them through um questions that they might have about about life, and then they need the whole church as well. They need, they need a church that sees themselves as 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 sinners that have been redeemed by Christ. You know, so that they know that they're normal people. They need to be uh, uh, see their church as people that are uh, growing more and more in Christ likeness, called to be saints. They need to be uh, see a church that's called to be servants that came not to be served but to serve mm-hmm. uh, themselves, and they need to. Uh, see themselves as privileged um, sons and daughters of the Most High. So they need all those aspects from the church. And they need you as a congregation to continually invest in each child. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if they're not, quote-unquote, your your child, they are your child in the faith, Mm. and you're to love them and to pray for them and to invest in them um, as if you had given birth to them. Yeah. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah.